Would you turn again now to that portion of the word that we read in Mark chapter 15 and taking the words of verse 33 for our text. Mark 15 verse 33 And when the sixth hour was come there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. Well, friends, we read so often of the sin of Calvary, and so often as well we read it, and is it not true that we don't seem at times to really understand it, despite how often we read it? And it also can be, of course, as well, sadly, that we can become so familiar with these things that we are no longer, as maybe we once were, moved by what was happening here. But just imagine anew this morning the scene. From very early in the morning, the Lord Jesus was horribly dealt with. He had been arrested, as we know, the previous evening. There was a mock trial at a ridiculous time. Pilate and Herod did their worst. The soldiers were doing their duty as they saw it in crucifying the Lord Jesus. The people round the cross now blaspheming. The chief priests and the scribes mocking him. The thieves beside him reviling him. And then suddenly the darkness descended. Can you imagine for those round the cross? Can you imagine there must have been a few moments at least, if not longer, the panic. What's happening? The shouting. You can imagine the fear. The screaming. And then, undoubtedly, there would have been silence. This darkness was not a natural darkness. And yet, you wonder how many recognized it as from God's hand. And so we see then that for these three hours, the Lord Jesus is hid from all prying eyes, from all derision and accusations. A darkness that was around the cross. So if we consider then a few minutes this morning, first of all, what do we see in these hours before, first of all, the darkness and then in the darkness? What do we see leading up to this darkness? 
will we see great suffering endured with a holy acceptance by the Lord Jesus. Great suffering endured with holy acceptance. Now friends, while we have to recognize always that his soul suffering was in many ways far more important than the physical suffering that he endured. Nevertheless, both were very real to him. What he suffered physically was very real. Of course, the soul suffering was far deeper and more intense, but we mustn't forget the, soul, the, the physical suffering, although we mustn't focus on that as if it was the main thing. It wasn't. But this is what those round the cross would have been observing before the darkness. They couldn't see the suffering of soul that he had. But they were able to observe these physical sufferings. And in many ways, they were adding to it themselves. In the way that they were dealing with him and treating him, as we mentioned earlier. In these things then, in the sufferings, the physical sufferings even, there was no relief for him. We all know that the crucifixion was a horrendous way to die. That's why the Romans used it. That's why the Romans introduced it at that time. Hundreds and thousands indeed were crucified by the Romans because it was a way that was terrifying the people because they could see what was involved in it. It wasn't somebody being put to death as it were just with the blow of a sword. It was something that went on and on and on. There was no quick relief from it. And so around the cross they could see this. They would see the wounds. They could observe the blood congealing. And with the Savior there they could see all these things. It seems there was a fever type of thing came upon them, those who were crucified very quickly. And there was a rage in thirst. That was the lot of everyone who was crucified. All these things would be seen and he was enduring all these things. And it would seem as well that many who were crucified, while they didn't die for a long time, many of them passed into unconsciousness with the agony of it all. But you know, friends, there was not even that relief for the Lord Jesus. The luxury, if I can say, of unconsciousness was not afforded even to him. Our friends, hell indeed drew near in these few hours for him, even before the darkness came. He was crucified there outside Jerusalem. But more than that, the agony of not having the comfort of that channel of prayer that always with the Father, the communication with the Father was not there as a comfort for him. Yes, he was crying to the Lord and we hear that ourselves. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But there was no comfort for him. He didn't expect, wouldn't expect from other places, but surely 
that he would get comfort there, but there wasn't. Here he was hanging between heaven and earth. And as someone else has put him, heaven and earth were both rejecting him for a time. Oh, the man of sorrows, friends, is the man we should be remembering today. Suffering this in our room and in our stead. And friends, let us see him today as we can, praying that with the eye of faith that we would be enabled to see him. And if we have the eye of faith today, you will see here for these few hours the greatest suffering and the loneliest man, as it were, on the earth who ever walked this world. That's the Christ that we are remembering today, who is enduring all this with a holy acceptance of it. You know, friends, that even the worst of sinners in this world can often experience the, the, the common grace of God. But the Saviour here was even denied that for himself. He was in all things determined, dedicated, yes, even delighting to do the Father's will. There was a time when he said himself that he could have called twelve legions of angels to help him. But now in his role here, as the one meeting the demands of the law, and to meet the ransom price that he had to pay for your redemption, there was nothing for him of comfort. Everything was denied him in these hours. And yet he endured it all because he knew to have you here today as his people to remember him. He knew that this was what he had to endure. So even in these hours, there was that awful suffering that was his. But then we see, secondly, in it also, in the hours of darkness, there is the justice of God in his wrath. The justice of God in his wrath. You know ourselves how often we have darkness, symbolic of wrath and anger, just as light usually speaks of hope and love. But there was a darkness here, the darkest of darkness here, around the cross and in the Saviour's experience. Now, in the beginning, you'll remember, at the very outset of the world created, let there be light to dispel the darkness. We read in John, John chapter 1, in him was life and the life was the light of man. At Bethlehem, remember when he came into the world, read of the night in the shepherd's fields becoming bright as the glory of the Lord shone around them. And there the night became day for the shepherds. But what have we got here at Calvary? Oh, the day became the darkest night, as dark as night, as dark as, and the darkest night that ever was, in a sense, as dark as that. Remember, even on the Mount of Transfiguration, 
read of how the Savior's face did shine as the sun. But now here we are, friends, at the cursed cross. The one who himself was the light of men, is bereft, destitute even of the very sun that he had created, shining upon him. Darkness. Even the physical darkness. The one who had created this very sun. And now, as it were, it was as if it hid its face from him. In that awful darkness that was there. It's as if the sun itself was compelled to close its eyes. To look, not to not able to look on what his maker was now suffering under the hand of a just and a holy God, dealing with God's justice because of man's sin. That's the Christ, dear friends, we need to understand and look at and consider here today, to understand something of these things, that are so necessary for us. Oh, this was no ordinary darkness. Indeed, as this ju- the judgment that was occurring here was no ordinary judgment either. It was supernatural. And that as the sinless Son of God was bearing your sins and mine bearing the punishment that was due to us. What was going on in that darkness, we know nothing about it. But we can know this, we can say this at least, although we know nothing of the detail of it. It was there that he had the darkest night of his experience. What he had to endure in these hours. But then, friends, Was he taken by surprise by this? Well, we'd have to say no, not at all. For he understood the sinfulness of sin like no other. So he understood the demands of the law. And he understood why he came. And he knew that right through his time in this world. What he had to endure. And yet we read that he set his face as a flint toward Jerusalem. He never held back. And even on the cross there, he was, you know, they, they remember they were shouting to him to come down. If thou be the son of come down from the cross. And they you know he's not able. Well, in one sense he wasn't able. Because he knew that he would have to stay there to endure. And into these three hours of darkness. Even before these three hours, he had suffered so much. But let us try and get a grasp even, even a glimpse with the eye of faith of the anguish that was his. Where he suffered there. Oh, my friends, do you not mourn yourself at times? How little there is brokenness of heart. Where are our tears at times if we really enter into and understand what he suffered for us, the depths that he had to go to to redeem our soul? 
hearts. Before these three hours of darkness, wherever he looked, there was none to help. Why not? Because he was the only sinless sacrifice that could possibly meet the law's demands. None to help was found, we read elsewhere, because none else among men or angels could do what he was doing. None else could bear the load with him. He had to do it on his own. He was the only sinless one who could do it. And he did it willingly as God's wrath fell upon him. None to help us for no, you would expect. What would you expect from the priests? And what would you expect from the soldiers that were there? But you think, well, surely his disciples at least would have brought some comfort. Surely the one who leaned on his breast, John, at supper, would be able to give a word of comfort. But our friends, whether it was down from those around the cross, or lifting his holy eyes heavenward. Nothing. No voice of comfort. No hand reaching out to comfort him. Nothing at all. And in that darkness, no hand anyway could reach in, into it, as it were, from those around the cross. He was there now, between a holy God and he in the place of sinners in your place and I pray in mine that's what he was doing that is where the justice of God why the justice of God fell upon him none to help he looked up to heaven none to help even his heavenly father the one of whom he had said on another occasion, I and the Father are one. But now he was dealing with them as if he were the vilest of sinners, especially in these hours of darkness. Oh, the suffering that must have been there from that very thing itself, if there was nothing else. But the silence of heaven, except in the wrath of God falling upon his holy head. My friends, consider, oh, consider the cost of your salvation today. Surely the pains of hell were here now for him. And the justice of God, and the justice of God, of course, demanded, required that he would tread the wine press alone, and that none would be there with him. You know, we read that this darkness was over all the land over the whole land but I doubt it was darker anywhere else than round the cross at that time as our blessed saviour hung there what was happening there the world was rejecting him and God as the judge hiding his familiar comforting face from him you know that we speak about these things and I speak about these things today But do I really, truly try and enter into what I'm saying or what you're hearing? To try and understand, 
to try and grasp what was involved in this. Yes, it is hidden from us, but it must have been the most awful, awful situation for our blessed Saviour, the Holy Son of God, coming now under the wrath of the Father who loved him, the Father who spoke else from heaven, this is my beloved Son. Oh, he was still in one sense, that never changes. But now, having to deal with him in the way that he had to deal with him, for your sins and mine was most awful, must have been the almost awful suffering that we could ever, indeed we can never fully imagine. So there were sufferings then that were his that he endured before the darkness. Sufferings went on into the darkness, but now you see, before it was, although of course all Guided by God, God was behind it all at all times. But it was the hands of sinful men that he suffered. And then when he went into this three hours of darkness, it was no longer man, but a holy God as the judge dealing with sin. Whose sin? That's what we are here for today, is it not? To remember his death, why he died why he suffered what he did. God dealing with him. Friends, you know, if we could see even in, our, even in the slightest measure, that's what I should have been. We will remember as we ought to today as we partake at the Lord's table. He did this for me. So in that darkness, there was a reason for it. Because none could look upon what was happening but God himself. And that we can look at thirdly here. We see in the darkness a concealing from all eyes, but particularly, I believe, from the eyes of his enemies. A concealing from the eyes of his enemies. There they were surrounding the cross. And suddenly there's a darkness. No longer are they able to mock him. No longer are they able to spit in his face. No longer are they able to cry, Come down from the cross if thou be the Son of God. His enemies who had been looking at him with loathing and hatred and spitting in his holy face. But then the unexpected happened, and darkness. Yes, to conceal from his enemies. But I also believe that it was also had to be concealed even from his own people who loved him, those who were around the cross, some of the women and some of the disciples. Because even they, even they couldn't possibly fully enter into what was happening here. He had to do it on his own with his father. But particularly, it is, I believe, God throwing a curtain to hide from all unholy eyes what was the most holy, holy situation 
a holy God in his justice, dealing with the holy, sinless Lamb of God, and yet being made sin for us who knew no sin. And so to endure the demands of his holy law, but not doubt dealing with him as his son, but dealing with him as his people's surety and his people's sacrifice. So as such, friends, the heavy hand of justice, oh, it fell in all its power and all its weight and all its holy justice on the holy head of your Saviour, Christian, today. Do you see it? Oh, look, friend, with the eye of faith and seek to understand what we are doing here today and why we are here. No longer was the Lord Jesus there. No longer was he the subject of the accusing hate-filled looks. But, well, shouldn't he have been thankful that that was over? That he didn't have to listen to that any longer? Does this mean that the darkness brought some relief to the Saviour? Oh, friend, not at all. But this was a further step beyond what any man could do to him. What he now had to endure had to be experienced out of sight of all mankind. This is now God dealing with our sin in Christ. This was now the most holy transaction going on between God the judge, his father, acting as judge, and God the Son as surety for his people. Do you know that today for yourself? Do you believe that he did that for you? Well, if you do, my dear friend, the table is where you should be, remembering his death. And if you don't, you cannot be and should not be taking part in this today. Here, no doubt, there was a depth of spiritual agony that went far beyond any physical agony that he endured up till then. None of his enemies then, or even any of his friends, were allowed to see what was happening in the presence of God. You remember how in the Old Testament read of Moses, when he was up on the mount with the Lord, that blessed time of communion for him. What happened when he came down? Everybody could see the sweet communion with God on that mount. Everybody could see it. It was not hidden from any. And they could see something of the beauty and the light that was Moses just because he was in the presence of God. But look now at Christ. Look at the great contrast that we have here. Christ in the presence of God but it was darkness and no light at all upon him. Yes, three hours under the particular just wrath of God. Oh, what a contrast. And what suffering that he had to endure 
as he went through that situation. We read eventually, and the darkness lifted. We read of those who left the scene, beating their breasts, beating their breasts at what happened, astonished some of them. As even this idea of truly this was the Son of God, said the centurion. And some of them obviously we don't know how many later at Pentecost were affected by this. But there they were, so many we are read in scriptures, they went away beating their breast. Where is our beating of breast today? Oh my friends, today. Should that not be ours today? Even in the measure that we have revealed to us in Scripture, the sufferings of Christ. Where is the agony of soul that should be ours? What a fearful thought, and it's a reality, isn't it? That how we can easily forget and not fully Engage with what he has done for us. Yes, friends, sadly, at times even at the Lord's table. But I pray it will not be so for us this morning. To understand what Christ has suffered to redeem your soul and mine. Here was the most solemn transaction that ever was conceived of. There taking place in the darkness No wonder, friends, we weren't allowed to see it. Because even if we could, we couldn't truly understand it. Does that mean it doesn't matter or not at all? Does it it mean that we shouldn't even look or try to understand these things? Not at all. Surely if we love our Saviour for what he's done for us, we will try and understand not, not in a way that we no, ought not to, but there is, a, there is a measure of which we can and should seek to enter into these things, to know, even without the great detail that we never know of, that at least we get to glory of what he suffered and the awfulness of what was going on at this time. That holy atoning work could we can say in one measure, at least in one sense, brought to its climax, not in the light, but in the dark. Yes, there was then the darkness lifted and he gave up the ghost. But oh, what went on in these hours. He finished the work of atonement. He rolled away the curse from guilty people such as you and I. And through that today, we remember his death till he comes. For there we remember also that he is coming again. He opened the kingdom of heaven, as it were, to every true believer. Not just here today, thankfully, but throughout the world today. Multitudes who love the Lord. And many will be as we are ourselves today, remembering his death till he come. And the multitudes that have gone before, we all can think of some that we knew and loved who are now with Christ. And they'll have an understanding that one day we will have more of. 
but we can still know here today he suffered for me he died for me he is my saviour well friends what or who then are you remembering today are you remembering I pray none of us will have come to the table just as a matter of course but that we consider what we are doing who are we remembering today are the one whose cup became a cup of cushion so that yours would be a cup of blessing his cup friends a cup of bitterness so that yours would be a cup of sweetness to your soul his cup a cup of darkness and yours a cup of light light of the gospel light of salvation light for your soul that you can be assured of will take you to heaven what I wonder then that any of us today can sit at the table and say he did all that for me imagine that friend that you can say that he did all that for me and the reality is dear friends that while we speak about Christ having suffered for his people and that of course is true but you have to take it personally and apply it personally that's where salvation lies if he did it for you and you can say in faith oh yes I believe not for him there not for her sitting beside me not for my wife or for my husband or my children or my parents that may be true but there is no salvation in that but the suffering through that darkness the cross his life the cross the darkness the grave all that for me that personal aspect friend never lose sight of it and if that is so and you know that he has done that for you my friend what else then should you do but partake in faith today remembering the Lord's death till he come in gratitude and thankfulness of heart oh thankfulness of heart do you have it then this morning my dear friend do you have it today maybe there are times and who often it is for so many of us we remember better days and remember other occasions but sometimes we grow if not cold certainly lukewarm isn't a fearful thing you know I'm sure that there was a time if somebody had said to you when you started off following the Lord as I say to myself if anybody had told me that there would be times of lukewarmness in my life I wouldn't have believed it but that's the sad reality of our sinful nature and yet and yet friends he knows that and he knew that and he's still willing to die for you if you will but have faith 
and believe. Do you have that faith today? Do you believe? Well, my friend, if that is so, what else are you going to do? But do as he has asked you, and remember his death till he come. May the Lord bless these words. Let us pray.